Thanks for joining me on episode 1212 of the Inspired Stewardship Podcast. I'm David Eady. I challenge you to invest in yourself, invest in others, develop your influence, and impact the world by using your time, your talent, and your treasures to live out your calling. Having the ability to plan for the end of your life and leave a legacy is a key. And one of the ways to be inspired to do that is to listen to this, the Inspired Stewardship Podcast with my friend Scott Mater. Now, don't misunderstand, by the way, I'm not saying we should put up an obstacle course between the parking lot and the door and make everybody jump through it. That's not what I'm not saying we need to put up roadblocks for membership. But I am saying that sometimes when we share the gospel, we're tempted to share the good news and make it all about puppies and rainbows. Welcome and thank you for joining us on the Inspired Stewardship Podcast. If you truly desire to become the person who God wants you to be, then you must learn to use your time, your talent, and your treasures for your true calling. In the Inspired Stewardship Podcast, you will learn to invest in yourself, invest in others, and develop your influence so that you can impact the world. In today's Spiritual Foundation episode about impacting the world, I talk with you about Luke chapter 14, verses 25 through 33. And then I share a sermon I preached at Medina Valley United Methodist Church on this passage. And I share how this passage is about the cost of discipleship. Luke chapter 14, verses 25 through 33 says, Now large crowds were traveling with him, and he turned and said to them, Whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even life itself cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not first sit down and estimate the cost to see whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it will begin to ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going out to wage war against another king will not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000? If he cannot, then while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for the terms of peace. So therefore, none of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all your possessions. Good morning. Good morning. My name is Scott Maynard. I'm actually the conference director for Lay Servant Ministries here at the Rio, Texas Conference. And thank you for inviting me to come in today and share a message. At the same time, this is one of those messages, when, one of those times when the lectionary, which is this book that's put together that goes through a three-year cycle and it goes through which passages you use for which Sunday. It's called the lectionary in the Methodist Church, in case you don't know. This is one of those Sundays where this passage comes up, and a lot of times you look at it and go, really, that's what you want me to preach on? (laughs) To the point that I actually told Pastor Kevin that I was going to use the lectionary, he's like, are you sure? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no, I'm not good. So I hope that this message is well received, but I'll be honest, I hope it steps on your toes a little bit, too. Sometimes I think we try to soften the good news and make it a little easier to go down than sometimes I think Jesus wants us to hear. Often when we go about and look at the church today, and I'm talking about all of the churches, 
You may see somebody that attends a small congregation with only a handful in worship each week, or you may go down the road to a large mega church where there's thousands of people in the audience. If you think about it, there are churches of all shapes and sizes. And I would argue that a lot of times many people think that the success of a church is in large part determined by the size of the crowd. And the size of the congregation may or may not be a true indicator of faithfulness to the gospel. I would argue sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. But if we look at this passage in Luke, I think it becomes pretty clear, and there's actually other instances of this in the Gospel, that maybe Jesus doesn't always look at having a large group of people following him as a good sign. If you think, it starts, large crowds were traveling with Jesus. It's the very first words of this passage. And then Jesus turns to those large crowds and the next words out of his mouth, I would argue, might actually be on purpose to maybe thin out the crowd a little bit. Because the very next thing he says is, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and child, brother and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. There might be a purpose that Jesus is trying to thin out the crowd a little bit, or at least maybe challenge them to think, are you just following along because everybody else is going that direction? I don't know, there's a psychology experiment that was done back in the 60s where they basically had somebody stand on a street corner, like on a sidewalk, and go, and pretty soon somebody else would come along and stand beside them and go, because they got to look and see what they're looking at. And before too long, there was a crowd of 40 or 50 people standing there all looking at nothing. And the first person that started wandered off and left. And two or three hours later, you come back and there's still people on the same corner going, and sometimes I think we just go along with the crowd because there's a crowd. So why not? Everybody else is going that direction. Let's go see what's going on. What, what's all that noise about? What, what's this guy coming through town? Let's follow him. And I would argue that one, that's one of the reasons that Luke 14 is structured the way it is, where it starts out, large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and then Jesus immediately turns to them and says something controversial, a little rebellious, maybe even something calculated to turn some of those folks away. I don't think Jesus was unaware of what he was saying. I think it's on purpose. I think... He maybe was challenging those people. And in case you wonder, family values, honoring your mother and father, taking care of your spouse and your children and others, all of that stuff was just as important then as it is now. It's no different. And this passage is one of those that sometimes make me, makes me want to go, can I just pick and choose what Jesus says in the Bible? You know, maybe I don't need to read all of the red words. I can skip some. Surely he didn't really mean that. The answer to whether or not he meant it is sort of yes and no. Let's come back to these in a second. Let's skip ahead in the story and then circle back to these and see if maybe what comes next gives us some understanding of what came before because that happens a lot in the Bible. So he transitions and he tells two little mini parables. 
They're almost more analogies than they are true parables. Because it doesn't kind of really, it's not a full story. It's just two little nuggets. And the first one is about building a tower. And the second one is about going to war without enough troops. I don't really think the details matter. But what is clear is Jesus is making a point about maybe sometimes when you do something, you should think about what it's going to cost before you do it. Has anyone got teenage children? That's one of the things that you try to instill in your teenagers, right? Is maybe you want to think about that before you actually do it. Think about what's going to happen because choices have consequences. And these examples would actually be clear to people in the first century, by the way. Let's face it, even for y'all, even if you've never gone to war as the king of a kingdom, rallying the troops, and even if you've never been involved in a construction project, and I'm sure some of you have, but even if you haven't, I think the concept of maybe I need to think about stuff before I spend the money, maybe I need to worry about what I got before I spend it, is something that's pretty clear, and there's a direct connection, and I think that even if they didn't know these specific examples, the people in the crowd would have gotten what he was saying. The point is, Jesus is saying, if you want to follow me, there's probably going to be a cost. It's going to cost you something. So now let's go back to hate your mother and father and children and family and spouse. And by the way, the second part, he also says, take up your cross and follow me too. In two different ways, Jesus is clearly saying, you have to give up everything. You have to put me first if you're going to follow me. You have to not just be joining in the crowd. You don't need to take the easy way. It's not about just following in line. It's about really understanding what it means. Now, I do want to point out something. The word that is translated in this passage is hate. It's used in a lot of different places in the Bible. And I do want to give it some context, because when we hear the word hate, we think of this sort of detesting someone. Cut them out of my life. I hate that person. I want to cut them out of my life. Get rid of it, kind of thing. The word actually means to love less. It actually isn't hate the way we mean it. It means to love less. It means not hate as in get rid of, but it does mean don't put this first. Don't love this the most. There's something else you should love more. So he's not saying get rid of your father and mother, but he is clearly saying, however, the only way you can really honor and love them is if you love me more. That cross-bearing passage is even part of that. A lot of times I think we think to images of churches on Good Friday, and maybe you've seen people carrying a literal cross and dragging it in as a representation of, I'm with Christ, I'm with Christ, I'm bearing this cross in the name of Christ. But Jesus is something more than just pick up a physical cross. For one thing, that symbol has lost the imagery that it would have had at that time. At that time, if you mentioned the cross, you are saying that means you have been condemned 
It basically was saying, you're up for execution now. Your time is up. And Jesus is saying, the truth is, to really follow me, everything else of the world has to be dead. You have to be willing to give up your life for me. All of those comforts of the world, power, success, money, fame, comfort, joy, happiness, all of the good adjectives that we could list here, even those need to come second to the love of me. Even those must come behind a love of Christ and your membership as citizen of the kingdom of God. That instead of following Jesus because of what might be in it for us, it's about sacrificing everything for the sake of others. In the kingdom of God, we recognize that you know what Jesus is saying is there is something greater than what we see in the world. There is something bigger out there. There's something better out there. There's something better than being the best husband, the best wife, the best father, the best mother, the best sibling, the best spouse, the best family member. Because indeed, all of those are high callings. All of those are good goals. All of those are important things. But the real goal, the highest goal, is about the relationship that we have with God through Christ. All of this other stuff needs to come second. This isn't about being a better person. Because the truth is, there's nothing that we can do there's nothing in the world, even if we take the best thing, picture in your head right now, the best thing you can think of, and multiply it by a thousand percent, and it still is not the thing that brings you salvation. Instead, it takes something from outside of us, outside of our humanness, outside of our human relationships, outside of the stuff of the world, it takes something divine being injected into the world and injected into us. It takes the love of Christ, His mercy, His grace, His humility, His love. And I think a lot of folks today, some of us are members of the church because we were raised in the church. Some of us are members because someone else invited us to become part of this group, this crazy group called Christians. But at some point, most of us made some kind of conscious decision to follow Christ. We, we represented it in some way. You may have done a confirmation, you may have had a baptism, a profession of faith, Someone may have come up here and said, I'm joining this church and gone through the membership vows. Whatever it is, even if you've come to church late in life or like me, you've left the church for years and then come back like the prodigal son, any of those things are important, but none of them rise to the level that Jesus is talking about here. None of them are put everything else second 
the same way. Sometimes it's actually a little too easy to follow Jesus. We lose track of what he's really asking for us to do. Even if you feel that as a Christian you're mistreated or abused, even if you live in another part of the world where actually being a follower of Christ is a death sentence, which by the way, I would argue is a lot more abuse than what most of us face today in America, but even there, sometimes we're not really aware of what Jesus is asking us to do. You go to a mega church with vast throngs that attend online and off, or you go to a tiny church out in the middle of rural South Texas. Sometimes the church focuses on all of the stuff to make it easy to invite people in. And we go through our parking lot and we try to make sure that there's signs and it's easy. We have greeters at the door to welcome people in. We do programming for families and for children and to invite all of these people in. We want to make it as easy as possible to follow Jesus. And now, don't misunderstand, by the way, I'm not saying we should put up an obstacle course between the parking lot and the door and make everybody jump through it. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying we need to put up roadblocks for membership. But I am saying that sometimes when we share the gospel, we're tempted to share the good news and make it all about puppies and rainbows. And what Jesus is saying here, what Jesus is reminding us here, is that being a true follower of Christ is also about making really hard choices. Sometimes it's about telling truth to the powerful. Sometimes it's about standing up for the mistreated. Sometimes it's about welcoming the outcast that no one else would welcome in. Sometimes it's about loving the unlovable. It's about justice at times, even when justice is not easy. So I'm tempted to say, yeah, let us love our children, let us love our spouses, love our friends, love our family, let us honor our father and our mothers, let us value the community and the church, our family, both our biological family and our chosen family, but let's not mistake that or in fact any relationship we have with each other as being anything less than subservient to the relationship we have with Christ and God. So the truth is, if we can get that relationship and go from there, then we begin to understand what it really means to follow Christ. Sometimes we're tempted to allow our family values to take center stage. And again, this challenge isn't about not loving our family, but it is indeed about loving Jesus more. It's not about subscribing to the expectations of the world, but rather holding ourselves to a higher standard. Because the truth is that true discipleship always comes with a cost. And that cost is always high. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thanks so much for listening to the Inspired Stewardship Podcast. As a subscriber and listener, we challenge you to 
not just sit back and passively listen, but act on what you've heard and find a way to live your calling. If you enjoyed this episode, do me a favor. Go over to facebook.com slash inspired stewardship and like our Facebook page and mark it that you'd like to get notifications from us so that we can connect with you on Facebook and make sure that we're serving you to the best of our abilities with time and tips there. Until next time, invest your time, your talent, and your treasures, develop your influence, and impact the world.